Hello, everyone. It's been a while, at least for us recording. Season one isn't even fucking out yet entirely. Hold this time later. Oh, <laughs> whatever. Anyways, as always, you're joined by me, Mulder, otherwise known as Faye, and... Done here once again. And Crash here, per usual. Yeah, by the way, Gamma's getting delayed because of this guy, just so everybody knows. Uh, I, I've been very busy, okay? <laughs> In my defense. But yeah, I know. It's I valid, but, but I told you, Crash. <laughs> I'm going to get I, your neck I for it. it. It's true. I've, I've deleted a lot of stuff. My bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, oh, so my so singular good. point is coming out is coming out next week. Soon. You yeah. don't it. <laughs> or not. But anyway, so that's where that's going to go. Um, so today for 4th of July, because we love our holiday specials here at Roundtable, we are covering the 2013 film Pacific Rim. And this is the first time ever where we're doing an episode right after watching the movie. Usually yeah. we have we have a few days between them. Yep. I feel like we have one episode we've done it right after watching. I Only feel. one. Was it maybe Giant Claw that we did that for? <laughs> maybe. Actually, that sounds kind of familiar. Yeah, I feel like been. it might have been Giant Claw. But I could be wrong. But anyways. Alright, so maybe not the first. But one of our few times. Yeah, we don't do it very often. So Pacific Rim came out in 2013, which it hit me is almost eight years ago exactly. Wow, 2013? Yeah. And that, and that fucking terrifies me. Oh. And it was basically the birth of the modern kaiju genre, in a sense, because it came before Godzilla 2014 and kind of set the genre on the path it's on now. So it's kind of pretty, pretty important in that regard. And, of course, it's directed by award-winning Mexican director, Helmor del Toro. Crash, you would say. It better. <laughs> I don't know. That's me. There you go. You got it better. So, what did you guys think of GDT's direction in this? I, you know, it's weird. I feel like I've seen a lot of his, but I also feel like I haven't seen a lot of his stuff. It depends because he he really kind of goes all over the place with the kind of movies he does. Mm-hmm. And if I feel like it's hard for me to like nail down his style, but it definitely has a strong sense of style. If that makes yeah. sense, like his his he always knows how to give his movies a flair. And the direction here is very grand for what's going on there. Mm-hmm. I, so yeah, I, I'd say his directing here is very good. <laughs> John, and then I realized, because it's, I haven't done this in a while, I forgot to do the rating segment. I'll do it after this. <laughs> John, go ahead. Yeah, um, I think having recently watched uh, the Blade movies for Undisclosed Project and some other movies, I think with Del Toro, his style is just kind of this interesting method of capturing fantasy while still making it feel almost real. There's almost a dreamlike quality to his movies. Like you can just kind of reach out and touch it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell this was a passion project for him. You just look at anything behind the scenes, you know, Del Toro loved this movie, loved making it. We'll probably go into it more a little later, but you just really feel how much passion and creativity went into this. So it's a great work from him. Yeah, I think Del Toro really, really knocked it out of the park here. Like Crash was saying, Del Toro does so much stuff between fantasy and horror and TV shows and film. He always tends to stay within the genre realm, but this was like his first really huge budget blockbuster, I'd say. 
and that makes it really impressive to me just how much he nails it like the like the action in this film is incredible even all these years later i personally think it looks better than a certain movie that came out in march but you can go check out our godzilla versus Kong review for how i felt on that <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, that's the just, movie oh go ahead it's because i agree the movie here looks very phenomenal it's very weighty it's uh everything has a nice sense of style to it yeah sometimes i forget it's supposed to be like in the future but like not too far in the future just like in the future 2025 yeah, yeah. wow that's only four years away but, I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah it 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 just looks really nice it really does yeah, all right. So I'm going to loop around real quick because, like I said, I forgot a segment. What would you guys give a Civic Room out of 10? Uh, I guess I'll go first. It's a solid 8 out of 10 for me, probably 8.5. Crash? Um, I'd probably give it, like, a 7.5 out of 10. All right, that's makes just sense. me, like, on a giving it on its own merits because I think it's definitely, like, a really well-made, solid movie. Mm-hmm. Although I feel like I, don't, I didn't really, like, click for me as much. But I'm also just like, you know, just, I don't really see anything like bad, like really bad if it's like, I, I I feel like I'm rambling. I'm kind of tired right now. <laughs> but pretty much saying like, it was a movie that clicked for me, but I know it's just kind of like a good movie. Yeah. Way, so I understand all the merits of it. So like, give it Makes a sense. for that. I, I would give it, I would give it an 8 out of 10 too. But Crash, I'm curious. Why, why, why do you think it didn't click for you? I'm just curious. Not saying you're wrong. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't really know, to be honest. Um. Maybe I just watched too many Godzilla movies. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it's. I, I do I do really like Guillermo's like movies and his sense of style mm-hmm. there. Maybe if I rewatch it again on like my own TV, maybe I like get more feel more invested into it. But um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this first time around it just didn't click for me. If I watch it again, I'd like it more. But it's hard to express it in words. Maybe if we go to more topics individually. Yeah, that's fair. It's better sense. All right, so I, I guess I'll, I'll move us to characters then. So, the, of course, the main characters of um, uh, Pacific Rim. You have the first one is Charlie Hunnam as Riley Beckett. I always remember Charlie Hunnam as the guy everybody wants to be Green Arrow, but will never <laughs> happen. What's his name? Riley? Yeah, Riley Beckett. Riley. I, I never knew that. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> they say his name like 500 times, Crash. Do they? I've never. Okay, but they always. His name's kind of weird. I've never heard the name Rally. <laughs> Rally. Strange. Not even Riley. Fucking Rally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, He's definitely the main character. His brother <laughs> dies. A good motivation. And um, he, I think he does that kind of hardened. Not, not hardened. More like experienced, like pilot thing, pretty well, I guess. His relationship yeah. with Mako is definitely like the big thing in this movie. Is that how you say yeah. Name? yeah, yeah, you said it right. Like Mako energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like rambling right now. But um, yeah, his relationship there is really strong. I think he was a little bit kind of, I don't know, whatever to me. But mm-hmm. he definitely would, he carried the movie pretty well as a okay. character. Done. Yeah, I think I agree with Crash. Um, I really like Riley. I think he's a strong. Well, I I don't think he's the best character in the movie, but he's very likable. Uh, mm-hmm. And Charlie Hunnam just does a really good job making Riley like charismatic, and you root for him. 
he never feels like annoying at any point. And even though his plot is kind of like a lot of familiar tropes, it's like it fits the tropey nature of Pacific Rim as a movie, just to have a kind of a simple protagonist. So I, yeah, I think Riley works well. Yeah, for him, I agree, Crash, that he's definitely a little bit more on the generic side. But I think for the story Pacific Rim is telling, it works. And I think his arc develops him enough where he learns to let go of the past and come back into the fold, to say. Like, hmm, I don't know if I should if I should compare it to the legendary Godzilla films, even if it's from <laughs> the same company. Like, um, I get okay. I guess my only thing there is that um, there's definitely like I think the main arc, but I feel like it gets resolved much quicker than I don't know because I feel I I feel it wasn't as apparent or like as prevalent like in the latter half of the movie. Yeah, like, I, I, I I would agree. Yeah, when Mako's having her PTSD, and I feel like by that point he's already kind of come to terms that he's like, oh, like this is just like memory, like. Like they're like, don't worry about it. It's not real. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like it's like a major thing. If that makes sense. But yeah, the, I do agree. In general, I think the Pacific Rim character arcs kind of resolve themselves pretty quickly. If that makes sense. Like I think they get a lot of nice development and screen time to them. But for Marco and Rally especially, I think they've finished theirs off in like the middle of the movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, they don't really carry all the way to the end. So yeah, by the end of it, it's uh, I, I guess you know for what's what the movie's doing is less about the characters, more about like plot. I guess that's mm-hmm. kind of carrying it by that point. Yeah, like I said, like I do think that for them, the resolution to their arc, and again to more with Marco in a second. Is I feel like it gets resolved with the Hong Kong battle. That's when they kind of hit their hit their piece, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I would agree. And I guess speaking of Mako, I guess we'll move over to Mako, who was played by, by Rinko Kikuchi. Mm-hmm. She was oh I think one of the strongest characters in this movie. She has a really yeah. good scene with their um her PTSD involving the kaiju attack and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, she's I re- I really like her character. I like her character a lot so far. She's like kind of headstrong, but also a little yeah unconfident. Uncom- 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 that's how you say it. Yeah, confident herself at first because she's like obviously someone who's experienced knows a lot, but has never actually been on the field. So she kind of has that insecurity of like, can I really do mm-hmm. this? But yeah, I mean, we see how that kind of fails her when you know she gets too caught up in her memory. Yeah, and and how that affects her. And yeah, I I think hers her arc is. Probably the strongest one throughout the movie field. Same. It ends pretty quickly, but it's it's strong for what it is. Because because I was gonna say, I feel like Mako kind of has two arcs. Like she has the one with going over her past trauma, but also proving herself to her surrogate dad with mm-hmm. um uh, Idris Elba's character. And yeah, I feel like definitely. that and I feel like that isn't resolved until the final battle. Yeah. When he tells her that he'll that he'll always be with her in the drift and whatever. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Mako's plot line carries through more, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. That that's one like that I carry throughout to the end, and it's pretty yeah. satisfying. And I feel like Mako is kind of the heart of the movie. Yeah, Crash. Do you care about spoilers for the, for the sequel? I've heard it's not good. It's so. not good. <laughs> so no. Would you believe me if I told you that she dies in the first third of that movie in a helicopter? 
really? They killed yeah. off? Yeah. The end, the, whole, the end of the first movie was like her and Rally like kind of getting that piece together. Yeah, Rally's not even in Rally's not even in the sequel. He he got killed off between the movies. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Why? It's so stupid. Oh Why would God. they kill her off? That's so stupid. Because because China. That's a whole other let me not get into oh pricing. That could be a whole other video. <laughs> Literally. But anyways, Ton, what did you think of Mako? Yeah, I, I really like Mako. Uh, I liked her back in 2013. I still like her eight, eight, uh, eight years later. Oh, that's painful to say. Um, <laughs> I, I, well, I really like what Mako is that she very much avoids the usual female side character plot. She kind of has a bit of tension with Riley as far as, like, you know, not thinking he's up for the job. But I think the way they make it, it feels less like, oh, this girl's in over her head, doesn't know our protagonist is a cool guy, and more so <laughs> just that, you know, Riley has a lot to prove having been out of the field so long. Yeah. And um, I like that they avoid a lot of the usual tropes. Like, they kind of have a bit of a, like, romantic tension, but it doesn't really get outright said. Yeah. So it's it's very up for interpretation. So if you want their relationship to be romantic, you can see it like that. But if you don't want it to, you don't have to. And yeah. I think that's a really good approach. Yeah, it's a, it was very refreshing back then. I remember people were very happy that they didn't forcibly put together Rally and Mako. And I feel like Mako kind of set the stage in a lot of ways for a lot of how um, female characters would be in the 2010s. It's yeah, interesting. Because I remember when, when this first came out, people were like, Drop the Betchdel test and use the Makamori test, which was does a female character have her own arc and motivations that aren't tied to a male character? And I feel like Mako really fulfills that really well. Yeah. Also, like I was saying, I'm surprised that um uh, that Rinko Kikuchi wasn't in more stuff after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she not showed up at all. She's been in some other movies, and her biggest thing in the West would be that she was in Westworld. For the samurai, summer park season, but she hasn't been in a ton, which kind of surprises me. Well, I would say surprises me, but we all know why. Hollywood yeah. being Hollywood, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's unfortunate though because I think she's really good in this. Yeah, definitely for sure. All right. Well, next character is the character who crashed in, recognized the actor until I call his first, face. And that's um, uh, Marshall Sacrapentagos, who's played by the iconic Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he's also another strong character. He plays that kind of like colonel type general. Yeah. About, you know, God, there's so many places coming out. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but Idris, you know, he kills any role he's given. He always does a great job. And I think here he also does a great job. He's super stern, strong. We can tell there's a lot about him that we just don't know, but he, he carries all that with him. And, you know, it's, it's sad at the end he does die, but it's a mm-hmm. strong character moment for him. Yeah. And Mako especially. But um, I, I like his character a lot overall. I, I think it was really interesting when I found out that um he was also a Jaeger pilot at some point. Yeah. Because I always kind of assume he was just like a general, I guess, who just kind of gave words. But mm-hmm. that was cool. He's a cool character. I liked him. Yeah, well, I got 
say positive about any character played by Idris Elba because my mom would kill me. Uh, <laughs> he's her, he's her husband. Uh, <laughs> in series, uh, I really like Pentecost. He's probably one of my favorite characters in the movie. Um, he's very much the kind of typical uh, tough guy leader um, type character. Mm-hmm. But I think what Idris Elba does that's interesting is that he gives Pentecost a lot of depth. Like, yeah, you don't see yeah. his entire story, but through his acting, you can tell this is a guy who's kind of seen it all, and mm-hmm. he has a lot of strong feelings. He's lost a lot, so like his. So while you get kind of those usual tough guy moments, like when Riley grabs his arm, he's just like, "Don't do that again." <laughs> you also get a lot of nice moments, like his kind of softer moments with Mako, which mm-hmm. just really make him a likable character. And it's just, and, and I'll be biased here. It's cool to see a, a black guy leader who's kind of yeah. like just yeah. re- really respected. And it, it, it was cool at the time, and it's still cool now. Definitely. See, see like with Pentecost, I like how they deconstruct the idea of a general leader type at, to a degree because they show that there's more to him than just being the leader and the hard guy. Like, it, it's definitely interesting to me. How this came out right around the same time as we had Nick Fury in the Avengers movies, because <laughs> yeah. he, he does remind me remind me a lot of Nick Fury, but they like go further with it. He's, where he's talking like the six other people on TV, that was giving me hella Nick Fury vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and also, I feel like this is what made Idris Elba really big in the West. I feel like. Well, I mean, I say the West. I should say in America, because he was always huge in the in the UK playing Luffy and stuff. But mm-hmm. this is really, I feel like, what brought him to the forefront of a lot of you of a lot of the US. Yeah. Also, fun fact: speaking of Pentecost, real quick, he was almost played by Tom Cruise. Huh. <laughs> Which would have been interesting. I, I'm glad they won with Idris Elba. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think he just, just carries that presence with him. Yeah. I feel like also, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Were, Tom Cruise, it's obviously, you know, we're used to seeing it just, but I don't know. I feel like we're kind of, it, it was strange. Tom Cruise is always more of like, he's not, okay, he's not young anymore, obviously. Yeah. More like that <laughs> hotshot character. I, yeah. I see him like being a general. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Also, I like how that they give Pentecost a lot of funny moments too, because I feel like that's what also helps flesh him out a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely all the humor. Yeah, he's really? very like real, real down to earth character. Yeah, general, not just not just an asshole. Yeah, like, a lot of general characters end up being. Yeah. All right. Does anyone have anything else to say on him, or should we move on? I think we're good. Yeah. All right. So the next two characters, I make them a duo because they're pretty much always <laughs> together. Is is Herman and Newt, who are played by Alma. Bern Gorman, who I know from Torchwood, and I adore him in Torchwood, and Charlie Day, respectively. What did you guys think of, of the two scientist characters? Um, they had a really funny dynamic. I yeah. like them, like, always bickering, arguing, kind of like two opposites of, like, the same science coin, I guess. Yeah. Always like, no, my ways are better than your ways. And, like, always kind of fighting and arguing about that, trying to prove themselves to the yeah. superior. Um, their dynamic was really funny. I liked them. I liked his accent too. Herman. <laughs> <laughs> and, Newt, and Newt ends up becoming kind of a prominent character. Yeah, like I was kind—I of, thought he was just gonna be comic relief the whole time, but he actually has a big part at the end. 
and for the resolution too. Yeah. So, yeah, they're they're they're. I really like them a lot. They have a lot of personality. Yeah. Um, I know, obviously, with a lot of the the sciencey tropes here, the mm-hmm. talking about nerdy shit, but sing 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 your point. Singular point. <laughs> but I think they did a good job <laughs> keeping them down to earth and also yeah. relatable and understandable with the shit they were talking about. I like hey, Crash. Oh, yeah. continue. Hey, Crash, one more Pacific Rim Uprising spoiler for you. How would you feel if I told you that Newt is the main villain of, of Pacific Rim Uprising? Are you serious? Yes. Why? Why would he be the <laughs> villain? Wait, look, I'm going to get get a guess. Is it like, was his drifting making him like an asshole now? Like he it's like monster brain. Yes. Are you serious? Yes. Oh my gosh, that's so stupid. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this, this, this movie just completely not touched by Guillermo at all. No, it was not touched by him at all. He even he even listed like his unmade projects and he put in his sequel Pacificum and he said Pacific Pacificum Uprising is not my sequel. That seems so that's like a, such a bastardization. Why do they fuck up all the kill the characters, make one of the cool characters the villain? If you're gonna make like okay, if you're gonna make like a main character a villain, like it has to be done well, executed strongly. You can't just be like, all right, he's a villain now. Like that just feels so arbitrary and stupid. Oh my gosh, that's so stupid. I'm so mad now. That's so dumb. <laughs> oh my gosh. But uh, yeah, I like Newt Pacific Rim one, and I mean Pacific Rim because mm-hmm. there's no Pacific Rim two. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's my take. Tom? Uh yeah, Herman and Newt are probably one of my favorite elements in this movie. Um, usually the nerdy scientist characters are just that. The nerdy scientists who are kind of just used for like dumb jokes and stuff. They're they're the RT D2 and 3PO, right? But yeah, they are. I think <laughs> but I think um Herman and Newt really um work here. Newt's kind of that um, you know, meta kaiju fanboy who's in universe but they make him feel kind of natural to the saying since they introduce the fact that people kind of like regard kaiju as like cool yeah that's like a subculture there so they don't the feel fuck, like well, well, not to cut you off real quick i'll never not <laughs> find the kaiju shoes and, and and shows super fucking funny <laughs> yes. because like i could imagine like fucking like 9-11 shoes <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Just uh, the idea that's so wack and funny. It's like in universe, that's kind of a terrible traumatic terrorist event. Like I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> or like, or like Tun said, Hurricane Katrina merch. Yeah, Hurricane Katrina yeah. merch. Hurricane Katrina. Like, come on, come on. Yeah, it's... it's so silly. Oh my god. But anyways, continue, Tun. Yeah. So o- overall, I think. Newt and Herman's like their humor works good. I really like their dialogue. Um, let me check the name and Charlie Day and um, Byrne Gorman are just really good actors, yeah, and really sell the characters. So yeah. I, I, I love them. See, like, besides um, uh, Charlie Day being hilarious as always, I really like that they get like these like quiet little down moments where you see that beyond the bickering they do care about each other like i love how um uh, herman offers himself up to do the drifting with newt for that mm-hmm. bit mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really that's, nice 
But wouldn't it also mean he becomes a villain in the second one too? Okay, for, for some reason doesn't it doesn't hit him? I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that's that's stupid. Oh my god! Because he's literally in the second one. He's like, dude, what's wrong with you? And Newt's like, ah, I'm evil now. I'm controlled by the aliens. I didn't try to let me I'm evil too. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Crash. That's what they used to explain why he has it. It's so fucking stupid. Oh my god. But anyways, all right. Last character before I do a more broad character category, and that is going to be the always with with Gilmaro del Toro actor. Oh, yeah. Ron Perlman is Hannibal Chow. Ron Perlman is awesome in everything he does. He's just yep. cool. He has such a presence, and he's just epic. And his Hannibal character <laughs> is really funny. Yeah, and cool. And I, okay, that okay. One when he died, well, when he didn't die, but when they thought he died, I'm always like, okay, if he didn't get chewed, he could survive because. I mean, <laughs> He can crawl out, and he did at the end. I'm happy to see that he survived. <laughs> Good, but um, yeah, his character is simple. He's like a black market dealer for kaiju, fucking intestines and guts. And shit. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I just, I just love Ron Perlman. He's just, I know, right? His acting is so good. Everything he does, so much charm and charisma. And um, I know, right? Hannibal, Hannibal's not like uh, particularly like important for the story character, but. His scenes are just such a blast to be in. Like him and Newt, they bounce off each other really well. And he does that mm-hmm. King thing really well. So yeah, Ron Poyman is cool, as usual. Yep. Done. Yeah, it's always kind of funny when um, directors have a favorite actor, like um, Neil Blomkamp <laughs> and Char- um, Charlotte Copley. Yeah. So it's always kind of nice watching a Del Toro movie, keeping an eye out for Ron Perlman. And with Ron Perlman, he's just, he has such a great range as an actor. He can do really serious roles, but he can also do really comedic ones. And they both feel just as well delivered by him. So Hannibal Chow's definitely more in kind of like the comedic space. But as with Newt and Herman, it's a very natural comedy that really fits the setting. And Ron Perlman just makes Hannibal so like, um, charismatic and funny in a way. Like even his name is based off Hannibal Barker, the historical figure. Um, uh, please Google him. And um, <laughs> his favorite uh, Chinese restaurant in New York. This is it's such a funny random kind of thing. Yeah, but it's, it, it adds to the charm Pacific Rim. Well, Ron Perlman is a part of my childhood with Slade and Teen Titans and Clayface and Batman. He made Wait, he was Slade and Teen Titans? Yes! You didn't, you, you didn't know that was Ron Perlman? It takes me a long time to realize stuff like that. I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. That makes sense. I wish he does a lot of voice acting. Yeah, he does a ton of voice acting, Ron Perlman. He's got that the voice. Right. I know him a lot from Fallout, obviously. Yeah. But that's awesome. So yeah, I, I, I'm of course I'm a destined to love to love Hamble Chow from that. He's a really funny antagonistic character, and I'm really glad he survived, just because that scene is so funny. Just him chopping his way out of the baby kaiju. Glorious. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So for the final human category, because there's a lot of pilots. Yeah. If anyone has any comments on the other pilots, um, there was that asshole guy and his dad <laughs> question mark. Yeah, that was his dad. dad. Yeah, and his dad died, right? No, he died. 
He died? Really? Yeah. Yeah, you didn't realize that, correct? I couldn't, I couldn't tell. They look kind of the same. <laughs> oh, I, I thought it makes sense for the dad to die, not the son. It's kind of fucked up. <laughs> Rest in peace. But, um, yeah, I can't arc of being an asshole and then not being an asshole. Um, it kind of, it kind of gave me, um, fuck. Which Hase, which was it? Hase? No. What, what is it? Millennium Godzilla movie? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's one with Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, Tokyo SOS, is it? Yeah, with that one guy. Or against, or, or against Mecha Godzilla. Not even against. Where he's like, yeah, one of those two. Hate you. you suck. And then he's like, you know what? You're kind of cool. That's what <laughs> reminded me. <laughs> yeah, not wrong. But at least here, it wasn't like as prevalent. In, like, I feel like they did a better job of fleshing out his character. Definitely. To me. Because yeah. the one in, in against Mecha Godzilla was really just kind of like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but here I, it makes more sense, I guess, more context, not just her fucking backing into a car and accidentally getting it crushed by Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, then that was it. I think there's honestly yeah. no one else I can think of. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, um, I, I really like the background cast in um Pacific Room. Um, I'm kind of biased since like. There was so much, like, side material and EU stuff that really kind of built up these characters. Not quite as extensive as, say, Star Wars, but there were just a lot of little, like, articles and stuff I read. That's cool. So, that, mm-hmm. yeah, so that really made them stand out to me. So, like, but in regards to just kind of in the mood, what you see in the movie, um, I really like the Hanson family. It's kind mm-hmm. of cool to see, like, an adult father and his son bond in, like, a non-typical movie way. Mm-hmm. While, like, they're not estranged. Like, they kind of have a tense relationship. But they're obviously close. And it's cool to have, like, an internet, really international um, cast in this movie. I don't know. Just, like, it's you don't really see Australians that often in, like, an action movie. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's cool they were part of the main characters. Uh, I kind of wish some of the main Sidecasts got developed more, may have a bit more dialogue and stuff. But yeah. I, I, I think they all kind of have their nice quirks that make them add to the charm of the movie. Yeah, it's like something which I was going to say is, and I guess I'll, I'll have this lead into the other topic too, but my one of my Pacific Rim critiques though is I don't like how they kill off the other two mech teams so quickly in terms of um, like Crimson Typhoon and Chernobyl Alphas. They die. They, they die, die so quickly. I feel it's like, I guess obviously by this point in the world, it's like, oh, like the Kaiju is stronger than before. There's a lot more of them now. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. But I don't know. Feels like they kind of lost pretty quickly. Yeah. And it kind of sucks because I don't think they develop that much. And I, well, I kind of get why that happens because you don't have unlimited time. It's still like oh damn. Yeah, no, obviously, but it just, it could have been a little more like, like filler banter between them. Yeah. And, you know, like walking the hallways, like all of them going to try talking to Rally or whatever at some point. Yeah. Like in a cafe, like just anything like that to help get the more depth because Crimson Typhoon, pretty sure we only saw them in that debris and they're like, oh, like, suit up, get ready to go. Which are the yeah, pretty and much. And then they die. It's like, damn. They were cool. At least one I saw. Pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. Like Tun like, like, like Tun sent to me 
it 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 was it's the coolest but most dang part of the movie at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's just kind of a shame, really, because a lot of kind of the core message of this movie is about the world coming together, right, to fight mm-hmm. this one huge problem. And then you have the Chinese and Russian teams, which are already like rare protagonist roles, more so Russia than China nowadays. Mm-hmm. But then they kind of just immediately die, and then it's just the American Australian team <laughs> that saved the day. Yeah. Like, American, Australian, <laughs> Japanese, which apparently pissed off China something fierce. Yeah. And that how a Pacific Rim uprising came to existence. Possibly. I've heard that China wasn't happy that they showed a Japanese character saving China. Mm. But I'll just say, nothing's been confirmed, but it makes a lot of sense. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's just kind of a shame that, like, you have this international cast, but then you don't really use them. And, like, I get it. CGI is expensive, and also they want to, you know, show off how strong the kaiju are. But it would have been nice if they had, I don't know, maybe like some extra books so they could last longer. Yeah. Just, I don't know, have more or, 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 or at least what Crash was saying, if you just had them interact with Rally more, just to flush yeah. them out a bit so that they would hit harder. So instead, like it hits, but it's more like, ah, oh, damn, we barely got to know these guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and girl, in the case of the Russian team. Mm hmm. But speaking of, what did you guys think of the mechs in this movie? The, or, well, uh, the, the Jaeger specifically. The Jaegers both. Did you <laughs> they, look, they look really cool. I like them a lot. Very mm-hmm. beefy, bulky, but a lot of, yeah. um, what, what's the word? Diversity? Uh, yeah, diversity and uniqueness within the different ones, from the different like groups. They look cool. I like the color palettes, I like the designs. They just look cool. Giant robots are always cool, you know? Yeah. So, they look really good in the designs here, I think, especially. Like especially the main one, mm-hmm. um, Gypsy Jaeger. Don't Gypsy, Gypsy Jaeger, Danger. Don't, yeah. Don't crucify me. Um, <laughs> it, was, it, it looks cool. I think especially in the face. I think when you have a good face on your like robot, that's yeah, make it stand out. I think it looks really cool. Ton, you you are our mech guy, so you definitely have takes <laughs> on this. Oh boy, let me pull out the list. No, okay. <laughs> In serious, I, I absolutely love the Jaegers. Probably one of my favorite um, giant robot designs to come out of Hollywood. Uh, El Toro kind of mentioned going into this movie, and I, I'm sorry for the anime nerding crash, but he he mentioned he was influenced by some of his childhood anime, like uh, Tetsujin 28, and uh, which is a old Japanese anime about a k- kid who controls a giant robot mm-hmm. that um, fights monsters and stuff. And that was just part of kind of the greater 70s era wave of uh, super robot anime. Yeah, you see a lot of that 70s super robot influence. And also, Tom, Del Toro also mentioned, it's not talked about a lot, but he mentioned Pat Pat Labor as a big influence on how he did Pacific Rim's mechs. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Because, like, there's that super robot kind of superhero influence, and to use a kind of, I guess, a broader term, it's like in anime, a super robot's almost like a superhero, where mm-hmm. except the machines, so they're a lot like Superman stuff. But the Jaegers and thus real robot are kind of more in using anime terms, 
that that that's where the Pat Labor comes in. That kind mm-hmm. of realistic feeling, like you see the Jaegers getting repaired, kind of treated like vehicles. That's kind of that real robot element. And yeah. Del Toro just combines those really nicely. Yeah. And in general, just I love the Yeggies. I love how they all have their own individual personalities, mm-hmm. kind of influenced by their country of origin. And there's yeah. a and there's a ton of lore with them, like how Chernobyl Alpha is part of the first generation. Mm-hmm. Wrecker Eureka is kind of the um, newest one. You can really kind of see how the technology evolved between the two. Yeah. It's, just, it's an excellent world building. Uh, I'm a world building fan, so I love that kind of nerdy stuff. And it, it's just really well executed because you don't really see giant robots in Hollywood movies outside of like Transformers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Jaegers are probably the most successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, something which I want to say though is I love this is going to be super stupid. I love all the color variety of the Jaegers because where they're not just like one monotone color. I like the color diversity there where you have like, of course, Crimson Typhoon is of course red. You've got um, a slur danger (laughs) being blue. Um, You've got Striker Eureka with that sleek, almost car-like gray. Cherno looks like shit because it's the oldest. And I just mean color-wise. Design-wise, Cherno's probably my favorite because of how unique it looks. Yeah. It almost reminds you of, like, kind of live-action stuff like Power Rangers and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Ultraman. Yeah, Ultraman. Yeah. Just, which I believe Del... Yeah, all my, of course Del Toro's an Ultraman. Dude, he has a house full <laughs> of that stuff. Yeah, so <laughs> you, you, you can see just... Cipheron's just a big love letter to all that stuff. Yeah. Japanese stuff. Something else also, this is kind of my hot take. I actually prefer how the mechs in this look to the kaiju. I think they look a lot more unique, personally. I think the kaiju color palettes are kind of bland, besides yeah. the blue mouth. I think if they were brighter, or at least had less just like charcoal gray, they would look more unique. Yeah, that, that's my thought. Yeah, they blend together a bit. Yeah. Like, I I don't want to um, critique the artist since obviously a ton of work went into the art design of this movie. Yeah. But it almost feels like they kind of put a lot of a lot into making each um, Jaeger kind of tell a story. Yeah. And then with the kaiju, it was kind of like, oh, well, they're clones. They'll so just slap some animal bits. Yeah, that, that's the thing. But the other thing with that, though, is to me, I was saying that too. But I was like, wait a second. But they're meant to be surprised with their clones because they're so unique from each other. But they mm-hmm. don't look that unique to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're kind Which, of. Mm-hmm. What I think is is a good shift into the kaiju. I'm not going to break them down one by one because there's so many fucking kaiju in here. So I guess any comments you have on the kaiju in general, or if you want to talk about a specific kaiju, go ahead. Um, I honestly could not tell you. Maybe the last <laughs> one. The last one looked pretty cool. It was pretty big. Yes, I believe his his name is Slattern. I think. Yes, Slattern. Okay. Yeah. 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 They kind of blend together. Maybe the baby kaiju that was kind of cool. Killed itself in accident. (laughs) (laughs) Real big, real big Godzilla nineteen ninety eight moment there. Yeah, that's that was a vibe. Actually, I was like, oh shit, babies, what? And then. Yeah. See, see, the funny thing is, crash looked you off with the baby. I always wonder. 
did Leather back into Itachi do the do at some point? Is that why she's pregnant? Yes, so, Molly. I didn't think about that, but maybe. Because <laughs> I don't think any other ones are pregnant. So I guess we got to check. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's the kaiju. I, I'm more thinking about it when you said it. Yeah, they're kind of boring. I got to say, I think the design took good, but like the coloring mm-hmm. and they just kind of same me, I think. first time. And around, they don't really have much personality, but go yeah, ahead. And their abilities aren't, they don't have like unique stuff about them. They just kind of punch. Yeah. Get that. Obviously, like I said, maybe I'm spoiled. I've seen all the Godzilla movies. A lot of unique <laughs> monsters, abilities there. And I guess with Kaiju, I like to see that stuff. Yeah. Monster has something cool about them that stands them apart from the other. Yeah. Like, I feel like Leatherback and Otachi stand out the most. I guess it makes sense because they kind of have the climax battle in a way. Because Leatherback has the EMP, but he only uses it one time. And then Otachi has the wings and her acid spit. Yeah. But that's about it. I wish they did more of that stuff. Yeah. Maybe because come on, it's it's, it's, it's kaiju. Yeah, I think they could have mm-hmm. built that to the story too about yeah. you know, their final wave of stronger kaiju. They have stuff they're not prepared for. Because I mean, they kind of got you know the acid stuff. Like what? Fucking acid spit what? But then nothing, nothing else like that. Yeah, they could just punch their way through. And like my other thing, I think a lot of the designs look very samey, just yeah. in like the look. Like I cannot tell a lot of them. Sla- yeah, like head. yeah, like slatter and. Trespasser in the, in the very beginning, he just heard the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, or like a lot of them look the same to me, and I have a lot of trouble telling them apart. <laughs> to be yeah, honest, I agree. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, Ton, go ahead. Yeah, I remember if you had asked me back in 2013, I'd be like, oh my god, I love the kaiju. They're the best <laughs> thing, thing ever. I know each one by heart, but um, post Monsterverse. Um, it may this is kind of unfair since MonsterVerse came later, but still, yeah. It's like when you look at the MonsterVerse movies, you got the Mudos and Godzilla twenty fourteen, the Skull Crawlers and um, Kong Skull Island. Kong Skull Island. You've got Mothra and uh, King Ghidorah and uh, King of the Monsters, and even in Godzilla versus Kong, you've got like the giant snake thing, mm-hmm. Doug, Mecha um, <laughs> Godzilla, of course. And they just all look really distinct and cool from each other. Yeah. And while they all have, like, different origins, obviously. Um, and, of course, this is a movie from before, you know, the Kaiju kind of had its resurgence. Mm-hmm. It, it would have been nice to kind of see more diverse designs. Like, I do like Otachi, I think. Mm-hmm. To see, like, she probably has the most, like, fun art design stuff and i love when she pulls out her wings that's just such a cool moment yeah but definitely i think i think kind of hit the hit or miss feeling with pacific rim is that kind of the kaiju like a lot of things with this movie it's the concept that's interesting more so than the execution mm-hmm. that makes sense what and like there is some design i do think stand out very well like, I really like that Onibaba's a giant-ass crab, or, like, Raiju's just a big crocodile with an inner head. And I wish they went more unique like that, but yeah, it's whatever. I don't think it holds the movie back too much, but the kaiju just don't stand out to me. Another thing I was going to say was, I know part of the part of it is the point, 
because they're controlled per se, but they don't really have much personality either, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the kaiju are mainly there to serve the plot and keep it going as like the yeah. force. They don't really have you're you're not gonna get like you're not getting them classic like monsters that are gonna stand out to you and be like, Oh yeah, this one's my favorite monster. Yeah. Like, like this one. It's like no, they're just there to fight them. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, it's I will, unfortunate because you know. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff, obviously, from the yeah. kaiju stuff. I will say that are the next Jaegers. I'll give them this. The fight scenes, though, in the really Grim are fucking phenomenal. Very the weird, action is actually good. They're yeah. Paced. They're really yeah. exciting to watch. Yeah, like, like for as much as we complained, or at least I complained about them killing off Cherno and Crimson Typhoon, the bit where Leatherback leaps out of the water and just fucking starts annihilating Cherno is awesome. I remember my jaw dropping in the theater when I saw this back in 2013 because it's such a cool scene. Mm-hmm. It is pretty hype. Not to mention everything with the final fight with Otachi and Gypsy Danger. Sword! <laughs> Sword. <laughs> just says it like, like one second pause. <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah, that part was cool. Falling down. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. The, the fights are really cool, I'll, I'll say. So I think they kind of make up for the kaiju being boring by the fights. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah, I'd agree. But, uh, also... I did want to say the score by um real quick by 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 Ramin Jawadi I might have said his last name wrong is really good and I just now f- figured out that's the same composer for Iron Man from from really? 2008 yeah huh. oh no wonder so good he yeah. also he also did did did, did Game of Thrones mm-hmm. that's really interesting uh, the main theme here is pretty cool it's pretty exciting. yeah I like it a lot they they played. It's a, the motif comes out a few times throughout the movie, and I think it hits pretty hard there. Makes yeah. super exciting scenes. I would definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when a movie kind of has like a singular motif like that, sometimes it's not the best because mm-hmm. you get kind of sick of it. But the Pacific Rim theme is so catchy and cool. You just i I could listen to to it today and still jam out to it. It's just same. <laughs> it's it. It just really sells what you're here to see: giant robots and monsters <laughs> having a throwdown, and it, yeah. it really captures that energy. And I was gonna say something else I find unique with Pacific Rim is, for as dark as the subject matter is, because it's really about the end of the world and stopping that, it's a very light and easy movie to watch. I feel um, like it mm-hmm. it's it's very fun. It, oh, it really is. Easy. I like it. You never feel too like depressed or dark. Mm-hmm. Doesn't try to dwell on that too yeah. much, and makes mm-hmm. it really enjoyable to just watch. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about that as we were watching it. It definitely feels like a movie from a different um, age. Um, I want like <laughs> now you're going to age me, Todd. Oh my god, because you're right. <laughs> uh, well, jeez, uh, I, I there's no really way to talk talk around it, so I'm just going to say. If you get offended by this, I'm sorry, but fuck off. Anyway, it's like the Obama years was kind of a very like optimistic era. I yeah, feel like everyone was kind of like looking to the future as like positive and like, oh yeah, we can take on anything. And then like 
you can really see that kind of story from this era. Just like the whole world coming together to fight monsters. A very believable concept. And then, you know, uh, 2016 hit and a certain someone got elected. Um, <laughs> worldwide tensions went up. Uh, COVID. I, I think people have kind of gotten a little more cynical. You can kind of yeah. see it in the stuff that gets made nowadays. Yeah, I was going to say, like, <laughs> like, they, like Pacific Rim... Especially it seems because Pacific's baseline theme is the world coming together and that we're better together. That's the whole point, the drift and stuff like that. That's really his baseline theme. And it definitely feels like a like an artifact of the Obama years, especially Obama's second term after he fixed the economy. Because that's when this one dropped. And it really feels it. Yeah. Definitely. I like that vibe a lot of the movie. Just coming together like that. Everyone, even they have some petty arguments sometimes. Yeah. They know, like, petty arguments is better than giant monsters destroying <laughs> everything. It's a very optimistic movie. And it's kind of interesting because if you look at Pacific Uprising to a lesser extent, but even more, Tun will get this. Pacific in the Black, which is the animated series they're doing now, they're way more cynical than Pacific Rim is. Like, yeah, way was, more. Definitely. I was just thinking about that. And yeah. I think it's kind of a sign of the shifting times where Pacific Rim fell into an interesting span of four years. Yeah. Because of like that 2011 to around 2015-ish, four or five years. But anyways, continue time. Yeah. And honestly, it's hard to say if it's like better or worse that way because it's like you know people make what they make and you can like it or leave it mm-hmm. and obviously times change and how people feel change but it's nice to kind of look back on just kind of the more light-hearted tone and it's it's aged well you know it doesn't yeah. feel i'm not like i'm not saying you're gonna watch this and be like oh this movie's stupid now none of this would happen but it's like mm-hmm. it's just kind of you can feel it feels like a different era like yeah it's like the difference between watching is like something from before 2001 something after 2001 yeah that kind of, that kind of thing also something else also which i just picked up on my head mentally also feels a lot less meta to me than a lot of stuff now like it's a lot less like in that cynical yeah like, wow. yeah like haha isn't this dumb giant robots fighting giant monsters this is so fucking I, stupid. I like that because you know they, they, you don't, you don't have to be. Uh, you can just accept your premise for what it is, and it's not feel bad about it. And don't yeah. Really justify yourself to another audience. You can just be like, yeah, we have giant robots, and they're fighting monsters. That's epic. You're not gonna make fun of yourself for that because that feels is, like mm-hmm. a lack of confidence from yourself yeah. and what you're creating. So always be like that. Like, just do what you're gonna do. Like, don't try to pander to people. We're making fun of you when they're not even gonna bother to like watch the exactly. Yeah. Which is which is very Del Toro too. I feel like Del Toro always treats his premises with seriousness and sincerity. Which mm-hmm. it's just, just of course, if you watch like Pan's Labyrinth or Kronos or Blade Two, he's not really one like haha, isn't this stupid? And I think that comes through most of the Pacific Rim because I feel like if it was anyone else, they would have been like, Isn't this fucking dumb? And I'm really glad that they just accept all the craziness like the fucking sword coming out of Gypsy Danger's hand and stuff like that. Very much a different era, though, too. I feel like that's kind of a hallmark of the early 2010s as well, is that 
unabashed, um, unashamed accepting of quote unquote nerd shit. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it's it's interesting kind of looking back on that kind of stuff because like this movie, like we said, is very lighthearted, has a lot of humor in it, um, uh, with characters like Newt and I guess kind of compared to another movie from this era, mm-hmm. Jurassic World is 2013, right? 2015. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Still the right. same era, though. Yeah, same era. Is like, is was that time when meta humor was more kind of like um, nods and gestures? I don't think Jurassic World does it as well, but this isn't about Jurassic World. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that that was the kind of humor at this point. And I prefer that over kind of more, more overly meta humor we have now. Yeah. I definitely agree. Also, real quick with Obama, it's, it's funny that we bring up Obama when he's in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. He has his cameo in the opening montage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, I saw that. Anyways, before, before we close out, does anyone have anything else they want to share about Pacific Rim? Any topics, thoughts? Um, 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 uh, definitely kind of crazy. I'm, I'm kind of surprised I've never seen this movie before. I know, I was surprised you haven't. I know, right? There's just a period where I just like did not see like any new movies that came out. I, forgot. <laughs> I, I just like, I don't know why. Pretty sure my dad was like, You want to go see this movie? And I was like, oh, I'm okay. So I kind of <laughs> regret that, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was definitely fun watching it. I think Guillermo, you can tell he has so much. You mentioned this early time, but he has so much passion in all the movies he makes, yeah, and it shows a lot here. Sucks that they seemingly just kind of botched it all in the sequel. Yeah, I guess I just don't have to watch that. <laughs> I think it's funny, Crush. I feel like I feel like we I feel like we made you like this more as this videos. Not this video. This um, the talk's gone on. Yeah, just talking about it, like kind of reflecting on it's always good. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I think. Uh, well, two more topics, I guess. Well, not topics, just kind of things I want to say. Yeah. Um, the first would be um, just kind of looking back on Pacific Rim as a thing. I really miss the era when this movie was huge because back it's when it so was... so weird to think about that. <laughs> yeah, just back when Pacific Rim was like the first thing. It was like everyone was kind of into it. Godzilla fans, Toku fans, every kind of fan. It was just like, holy shit, Kaiju are back, it's awesome. And everyone was kind of like making the writing fan fiction, making their own custom Jaegers and stuff and their own original kaiju. It was such a creative and fun era. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, people are still passionate about Pacific Rim like that. I mean, Pacific Rim the Black got a lot of positive reception when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think I think Pacific Rim kind of had the potential to launch into a bigger franchise. I don't think it did, unfortunately. Yeah, I think, like, the big issue to me personally is I feel like Pacific Rim Uprising, A, didn't have Del Toro behind it, which was a mistake. Mm -hmm. And B, I think they waited too long for it. Yeah. Because they waited five years, and I don't think Pacific Pacific Rim had the staying power it did once we started getting kaiju stuff more. Yeah, because so, a lot of the novelty wore off when you had Godzilla 2015, and then we had Shin Godzilla and Kong Skull Island and the Annie trilogy, like and Colossal and all these giant monster movies kept coming out. So Pacific Rim's uniqueness of being the first big giant monster movie 
since 2006 was it, 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 it they lost an opportunity there is what i'll say mm-hmm. to capitalize yeah. on it what didn't they want to do like a pacific rim and like jurassic world crossover or something stupid like that? <laughs> i, like I never heard of this i remember something about them talking about like a, a pacific Rim crossover with something oh godzilla, godzilla. godzilla yeah people were joking weird? for a while about having jaegers fight godzilla in a movie and Gareth Edwards and Del Toro seen down for it, but I don't know if anyone ever like seriously considered it. Yeah, but who knows? Maybe. I mean, uh, after after Godzilla versus Kong, I they'll do whatever the fuck at this point. I don't think they care about quality. So yeah, you might see, you might see through the fucking the, the thing. Rift. Okay, the rift. He'll end up <laughs> in Pacific Rim world. Yeah. I mean, we do have Mecha Godzilla to justify giant robots, so Baby Godzilla Three <laughs> will have Jaegers in it, <laughs> and, and that's the start of the Jaeger program. <laughs> and the other thing is, someone I also wanted to say, I also feel like people were just less cynical about new kaiju stuff back then. I feel like the fandom—it's kind of like what happened with Star Wars. I feel like, like with Force Awakens, people were like, "Oh yeah, you loved it," because there was this whole novelty of, of it being back. And I think, unfortunately, as time goes on, people get very cynical and start to take this stuff for granted. If that makes sense, and I don't, I don't mean like you like have the, to, the you first, have to love everything. The resurgence of any mm-hmm. long dormant franchise or whatever will always be the most popular thing. Yeah, it's just that this novelty of like, oh shit, it's back. And even though it's awesome, people who are just kind of there just for the hype, like who may not even been invested, like oh shit, like that's pretty cool. They're mm-hmm. not always going to stick around. Yeah, and. And then, yeah, just kind of, like, diminishes from there. Just and I also there. feel like people get cynical about it, like, oh, this sucks, etc. And I, like I said, I don't see anything wrong with disliking stuff. I just feel like the way that it gets discussed sometimes is, like, soul training. Because yeah. people get so cynical so quickly. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think... Like, Pacific Rim is interesting because it kind of hooked on to those two niches, people in the kaiju and people in the giant robots. And with kaiju, you know, MonsterVerse came in, really took mm-hmm. over, and Toho has just been pumping out new content. So it was kind of yeah. drifted to Godzilla being the big talking point. Man. Yeah. And with giant robots, there's not too many giant robot stuff out now, but there's a lot of stuff on the way. Um, yeah. Legendary and Netflix are making a Gundam movie. Um, Hasbro's gearing up to revive Transformers. I think Pacific Rim had an interesting niche because um, when when did Engine Extinction come out? 2014. Okay, so Bayformers was still on top, but that fatigue was starting to set in. I also so, feel like I remember when people came in people like Pacific Rim plus Transformers better than Transformers. So mm-hmm. I feel like Pacific Rim taking it with a different approach really connected with people in that regard for giant robots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how Pacific Rim stands the test of time. Um hopefully Gundam and stuff like it does well. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right, um, a ton. You guys said you said you had two things. Is that it? Oh, uh, real quick. Well, your last. No, no, you don't have to be quick on this. Oh yeah. Um, no, I, I guess those. Uh, 
I just thought it'd be fun to mention Evangelion. Um, oh, the Evangelion stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, sorry, sorry, getting crashes and anime nerd stuff. But um, <laughs> back when Pacific Rim came out, there were a lot of people who kind of compared it to um Evangelion because um there was kind of the whole I don't know if you know this, but the suits the pilot wears have like this liquid in it. Yeah. While they're piloting it. And that's uh, a thing in Evangelion 2. And also just kind of people piloting robots. Evangelion is the biggest mecha anime. Well, it was. I don't know what it is anymore. I'm not an anime guru. Uh, but um, there, people really kind of latched on to Pacific Rim being an Evangelion movement until Toro was like... A, <laughs> I wasn't thinking about Eva at all making this. <laughs> because he'd never seen it. Yeah, he never watched Eva. It's just kind of funny because um But his it, screenwriter but the screenwriter admitted that he had seen Evangelion. Yeah, so it's kinda interesting. Uh I guess what is interesting though is that with Evangelion, um that was kind of um Hideki Ano's tribute to the older um kaiju stuff like um in anime like um get robo and uh ultraman yeah and then you have del toro making his tribute to Tetsujin 28 and um ultraman as well so <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting to see the similarities when you have like an older creator making a tribute work to something they're really passionate about mm -hmm. and how those similarities pop up, but I do want to make it clear: Pacific Rim is not an Eva movie. It's just a Toku movie. So mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> that's it for me. Okay. So 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 I guess we'll close out then. Crash, do you want to do your do your closing thoughts? Um. Yeah, I guess. I I think if you like anything with giant robots, even just monsters, you can definitely get a mm -hmm. kick out of this at the very least. It's just, it's fun to watch. It's super engaging. The fights are great. Um, and I guess even if some, like even, if, uh, I don't know. It's hard for me to think of like anything like wrong with it because I think at the end of the day, it's just a really well-made movie overall. Mm -hmm. Maybe some of the character arcs and a little too quickly, but I think it's just fun in general. And if you like that kind of stuff, I think you'll enjoy it. Awesome. Ton? Um, yeah. Um, Pacific Rim I feel like it's a movie that very much knows what it wanted to do. And I don't want to say didn't aim higher, but mm -hmm. it had objective and it achieves it. If you want a movie that's just a fun hour or two of giant robots fighting, fighting giant monsters, you're going to get that in Pacific Rim. Such a fun movie. Still holds up after eight years. Um, I don't think it's aged at all, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like beyond some like minor elements, uh, well worth watching if you haven't seen it yet. Highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. And I, it's it's just such a unique piece, and I don't know if we'll see anything like it again. Yeah, probably wait for Gimlin. <laughs> As for me, like I said, I think this movie's great. It's very fun, very lighthearted, even with such a dark kind of plot. Interesting. Very, very um, a fantastic action. Also, 
just such a nostalgia bomb of the second term Obama years, which is very nostalgic for me because that's when when we were all teenagers, <laughs> pretty much. Amazing, thank you, man. Yeah, so it definitely hits me on that on that note too. So yeah, this was our Fourth of July special. Have a good holiday if you celebrate. If not, hope you're having a good day and thank you for listening. We will be back with Singer Point next week, and we'll be starting Gamera up sometime in August, September. So thank you for listening, and have and have a very good and pleasant day. Thank you.